are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. the Lord. I want you to open your Bible this morning to the book of Ezekiel, please, chapter number 14. And I've been blessed already, Dr. Treber. And a friend of mine wrote that song, Look for Me at Jesus' Feet, Brother Squire Parson. And uh, he was getting ready to go off somewhere and sing, and his wife was worried about him. And she said, Squire, I'm worried about you traveling up down the road. You're going to have a wreck or you're going to get sick or something's going to happen to you. And they got ready to leave and he hugged his wife and said, honey, you look at me. If you never see me no more down here, let me tell you where you'll find me. Look for me. Woo, praise God. Look for me at Jesus' feet. I knelt there for salvation. I've knelt there for surrender. But you wait till I kneel there in splendor. And if you think it's on right now, you wait till you see this blood-washed crowd and our brand-new bodies. And as big as I'm getting, I am thank God for a brand-new body. But I praise the Lord for his goodness. I love your pastor, the family, and it's good to have another Southerner around. Amen? And we're going to pick, and Alvin's going to grin. Praise the Lord. I didn't hardly recognize this new man among me and making me feel under conviction, but... As long as there's Krispy Kreme, I'm gonna look this way. Somebody say amen. All right. If you love the Lord, say amen. amen. Turn to somebody to your left and say, you look good today. You look good today. You really do. Now, turn back around and say, I was lying. I didn't mean a word of it, praise the Lord. Ezekiel chapter number 14 this morning. I wanna read verse 14. I'm going to read verse number 20, and it is in my heart in these days I'm with you to preach in this passage. Notice in Ezekiel chapter 14, verse 14, though these three men, name them with me, Noah, Daniel, and Job. Though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, they should deliver but their own souls, how, say it with me, by their righteousness, saith the Lord God. And then again, for double emphasis, look down in verse number 20. Say it with me, though Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it. As I live, saith the Lord God, they shall deliver neither son nor daughter, they shall deliver but their own souls, sit with me again, by their righteousness. What you have in the book of Ezekiel, the man of God is painting a picture of the day and the hour in which he was living. I believe if you'll study the background of the book of Ezekiel, a darkness had come over the land a moral, a political, and yes, even a religious darkness and apostasy had ravished and raped the land. And because of the apostasy and because of the rebellion, the judgment of God was going to fall on the people 
of Ezekiel's day. But in the midst of that dark, gloomy background, he reminds the faithful remnant that we can live a righteous life in an unrighteous world. I'm glad in a world of darkness we can shine like a light. In a world of doom and depression, we have a message of hope and good news. And even though we're living in a world where unrighteousness seems to be the norm of the day, we can live a righteous life in the midst of an unrighteous world. He tells us in the text, not only we can do that, but he shows us we can by example. And he goes back to three different time zones, three different dispensations, and looks at three different men that lived for God in a difficult day in which they lived. Now, even though these were three different men with three different names from three different time places, all three of this men had three things in common. Number one, they all lived for God when everybody around them was living for the devil. They served God and lived for God in the midst of a wicked society. Number two, all three of these men had the same attribute righteousness. Noah was righteous, Daniel was righteous, and Job was righteous. And they possessed this righteousness in their character in the midst of an unrighteous world. But number three, they all experienced divine deliverance from God. Not only deliverance from their present world and their present circumstances, but a divine deliverance from the judgment of God that was gonna fall on the world in which they live. And he is telling you and I this morning that if Noah can live for God, and if Daniel can live for God, and if Job can live for God, you and I can live for God. Because Noah's God was Daniel's God and Daniel's God was Job's God and Job's God is our God for he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I believe this morning that Noah is a picture of a Christian in a Christless world. I believe this morning that Daniel is a picture of a Christian in a compromising world. And I believe this morning that Job is a picture of a Christian in a chaotic world. And I'm glad in the midst of a Christless world, what a wonderful time to be a Christian. In a world full of compromise, what a wonderful time to stand our ground and say, not today, not on my watch, but I'm gonna purpose in my heart that I'm gonna live for God. And in a world full of storms and tragedies and troubles and trials on every hand, isn't it good to know that though he slay us, we can trust him for the God on the mountain is the God in the valley. I want you to turn this morning quickly to Hebrews chapter number 11. And I'm gonna emphasize this morning, brother Noah, a Christian in a Christless world, a man that did a work for God, 
a man that did a work for God. A man that did a work for God in the midst of a Christless society. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out this morning that we are living in days much like the days of Noah, where the imagination and the thoughts of men's heart was only evil continually. Sin was at an all-time high. Rebellion and apostasy was the norm of the day. And a judgment of God that would change the world forever was going to fall on that Andalusian society. But yet the Bible said that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And Noah lived for God and he did a work for God in the midst of a Christless hour. I believe you agree with me this morning that we're living in a time of sin, a time of trouble, a time of iniquity. But there is a work to be done for the cause of Christ in this world. And the greatest privilege I have outside of being a born again, blood-bought child of the King is to be a part of the work of God in the midst of a troubled world in which we live. Let's read what the writer says about it in the hall of fame of faith. In Hebrews chapter number 11 and verse number seven. Hebrews 11 verse seven, it says, by faith, say it with me, Noah. By faith, Noah being warned of God, of things not seen as yet. Listen to this reaction. Moved with fear. Prepared an ark, and listen to the divine purpose, to the saving of his house, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, say it with me, which is by faith. And let's think this morning about this work that Noah did for God in the midst of a Christless world. First of all, I want to talk to you this morning about the purpose of Noah's work. Why did God call this man? Why did God separate this man? Well, the divine purpose this morning is in the text. God warned him of a judgment that was going to come. And the Bible said that Noah responded to that and he moved with fear. And he prepared that ark to the what? To the saving of his house. The purpose was this, judgment was coming. A severe judgment was coming. But God so loved the world that even in that Andalusian society that had forgotten God, he was preparing a way of escape from the coming judgment. And Noah said, I better get moving. And I better get moving with fear and do what God has called me to do because there needs to be a refuge and a place of safety in the time of a storm. You say, Brother Arthur, what has that got to do with us? Judgment's coming. God is not gonna sit back and let this world defile his name, disobey his word, and discredit his church, the body of Christ. The clouds are gathering. 
The lightning is flashing and the thunder is rolling and death is coming and hell is moving. But aren't you glad for God so loved the world? And by the way, may I just say it wasn't raining when Noah built the ark. The lightning wasn't flashing and the thunder wasn't rolling. God made a way of provision before the storm ever let loose. Yes, hell is there. Judgment is coming. But aren't you glad 2,000 years ago on a hill far away, the Son of God died for the sons of men that the sons of men might become the sons of God and there is a refuge, there is a place of salvation and the world needs to know that Jesus saves from hell and sin and heaven is a better place to go. We better get moving and build a work for God in this day an hour in which we live. The purpose of that work was there needed to be a message given. You don't have to drown in the flood. There is a place. There is a provision. There is a refuge. Lord, have mercy. I felt like preaching. I wonder how many in this room this morning you're glad that you was a, when you were a sinner lost with that God headed to a literal burning hell, somebody knocked on your door. Somebody gave you a track. Somebody preached the gospel to you and God used that mouthpiece in your life and you heard that was a better way and that was a better life and salvation was made possible through the blood of Jesus Christ. May we teach it in our lessons and sing it in our songs and live it in our life and preach it in our sermons that Jesus Christ came in the world to save sinners and he saves chiefs of sinners and he saves bad sinners and he saves mean sinners and he saves all kinds of sinners. Let's get the message out. There's a place of refuge from the coming storm. God gave him the purpose of this work. Secondly, this morning I would mention God gave him the plan of this work. Can you imagine how it was when God said to Noah, it's gonna rain. And he said, what's that? He said, I want you to build an ark. And he said, what's that? He said, well, this stuff is gonna fall from the sky and everybody's gonna drown. And this ark I want you to build is gonna be the only way out. Can I remind you that Noah had nowhere to look but God. He had no one to trust but God. And God gave him the plan. Now, nobody had ever built one. The internet hadn't been invented, so there were no YouTube videos on ark building. There had never been one built before. Nobody had ever seen one built before. You say, how's a man gonna build something he's never seen and trusted enough to save him from the flood? If he will follow God's plan and do exactly what God said, exactly how God said, his boat is going to float in the midst of the storms of life. Oh, church, aren't you glad this morning that we are not without instructions, we're not without plans. God has given us this book and if we'll 
follow the word of God and obey the word of God and live like God told us to live in the book. Our boat's gonna float in the coming storms of life. We got a plan for our work. Let's follow God's plan because you cannot improve on God's plan. God told him how to build it. God told him what to build it out of. God told him how long to build it, how wide to build it, and how high to build it. God told him where to put the door. Notice I didn't say God told him where to put a door. God told him where to put the door. Because there was only one door. The elephant had to go through the same door as the rabbit. And the giraffe had to go through the same door as the squirrel. There is no dimensions given on the door. And by the way, they didn't put it in the front. They didn't put it in the back. They didn't put it in the bottom. They didn't put it in the top. They put the only door that everything that escaped the flood had to go through the same door and they put it in the side. Born shoot glad 2,000 years ago on a hill far away, the only door the only door to salvation named Jesus Christ. They pierced his side and God opened up a way whereby we could escape the flames of hell. I don't have a door, I don't got some door, I don't got one of the many doors, I've got the door, the only door, there is no other door and Jesus is his name and everybody that's saved from the flood has to go through the same door. And it's not an accident that when they got in that boat, the Bible said, and the Lord shut the door. Noah didn't shut the door. His three boys didn't shut the door. None of their wives slammed the door. God shut the door. I come from a little town in the mountains of Virginia. Somebody asked me the other day how old I was, and my answer is, I'm pre-Walmart. <laughs> I was there before Walmart. How many of you were in your town before Walmart? Some of us are old enough to remember Kmart. Some of us are old enough to remember Sears and Roebuck. And most all of us preacher's kids grew up with a French tailor at our house, J.C. Penney. And I remember when we first got our big, big Kmart in Danville, Virginia. The most intriguing thing to me is one store had it all. If you needed tires, if you needed medicine, if you needed nails, you didn't have to go to the tire store, to the nail store, or the shoe store. And every, my mama thought she was in the millennial reign. But the most intriguing thing to me is when I walked up on the mat, the door opened by itself. And I got off the mat and the door closed itself. Tell them, when you're from Podunk, things like that are interesting. When you come from where they film the Waltons, I'm telling you, it's awesome. I stood there for 30 minutes back and forth. That just thrilled me. 
Oh, but I wanna tell you, Kmart didn't invent that. Walmart didn't invent that. JCPenney did not invent that. Caesar Roebuck didn't invent that. God had one of them on that ark. Noah stepped up on the game plank of welcoming grace and got on the other side and your King James Bible said, and the Lord shut that door. You say, Brother Joe, what's so significant about that? Have you not read in the book of Revelation about God opening and closing them doors? You know what Revelation says? It says when God opens a door, no man can close it, but on the other side of that coin, when God when God shuts the door, no man can open it. And God shut them in. And the flood couldn't get to them. And they couldn't get to the flood. Praise God, aren't you glad tonight? We're safe in the ark. We're safe in salvation. And brother, I can't open the door to get out. And the devil can't open the door to kick me out. I'm safe in the ark before, beneath, and beyond the storms of life. God gave him the purpose. God gave him the plan and then God gave him his presence. You say, where do you see the presence of God? Well, let's say when this meeting is over, me and my dear friend here fly back to Atlanta and we go to my house in Jonesboro, Georgia. Let's say it's six o'clock in the morning and we wake up, the head of the house, God forbid, and Mrs. Arthur, the head of the house. Women in politics, that's nothing unusual. Your wife's been the speaker of your house ever since you've been married, but anyway. And we wake up Miss Arthur, and she's got hot biscuits ready. <laughs> yeah, what planet are you from? Some young preacher said, Brother Arthur, does Miss Arthur make homemade biscuits? Do you think a woman with a 50 pair of dollar fingernails is gonna gum around in dope? She made one pair, she made one pan one time and a bit down on I got a fingernail stuck right there. And Miss Arthur comes to the door. Me and Brother Alvin are both on the outside. I'm gonna be a good host and I'm gonna say, go on in, go on in. But if he comes and I'm home already and I'm already in my house and he rings that doorbell, I'm gonna do what any self-respecting husband should do. Honey, get up and go see who that is. But if I'm already on the inside and Brother Alvin's on the outside and he knocks on the door and I open it, if I'm already on the inside and he's on the outside, I'm not gonna say, go in. If I'm already on the inside and he's standing on the outside, I'm gonna say, come in here, boy. Come in here. That means step out of your world and get into mine. Honey, when that ark was finished and God opened the game plank of amazing accepting grace, he didn't say, go in the ark. He said, come thou into the ark because God was already on the inside. I wanna promise you missionaries, wherever you may preach, wherever you may go, wherever you plant a church, he is with you, he is for you. Mm, I'm glad he's the God above us. He's the God beneath us. He's the God behind us. He's the God beside of us. He is the God for us. He is the God with us. He is the God through us. But aren't you glad on this side of the covenant of grace, he is God in us, in us, in us. The presence of God, God was with him in the midst of that storm. You say you think the boat's gonna spring a leak? Not a chance. 
Because he said, son, you get you some pitch and you pitch it within and without. I'm going to waterproof it. I'm going to judgment proof it. Between you and here and the storm and judgment out there is a wall of pitch. You'll never believe what that Hebrew word pitch is translated in the New Testament. The word atonement. And it's even bigger than that when you quote 1 John chapter number two. Now here's where a Calvinist gets in the phone booth and dials 911. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for our sins only. Here's where they have a breakdown. But for the sins of the whole world, aren't you glad between the church tonight and the flames of the judgment of God, it's a wall of propitiation, which is nothing more than the atoning blood of Jesus Christ. And I'm glad I'm not on the outside looking in. I'm on the inside looking up. Because I got the purpose and I got the plan and I got the presence. And then I close with this. I got the promise. Can I report to you this morning that everything that went on the ark came off and nobody died or even got sick on the trip? Because the Bible said when the storm was over and the ark came to rest, it came to rest, here's a quote from the King James, high on the mountain of Ararat. Ararat in the Hebrew means resurrected ground or exalted territory. When the ark came to rest, it didn't come to rest in a valley low. It didn't come to rest on a stormy sea. But when the judgment was over and those that had gotten through the door in the side, Lord, somebody help me right there. On the other side of that storm, they came to rest high on resurrection ground. Aren't you glad when the battle's over and the storm is over and the judgment's over, we're going to rest on Zion's hill under the rainbow throne because God said, we're going to make him. I was preaching this the other night. I think I tore up something. I was preaching the other night and this fellow come up to me and he said, I, I, I believe you've made a mistake. I believe you've contradicted yourself. And I said, how is that? He said, you said when the Lord shut the door, they couldn't open it. I said, that's right. He said, well, how did they get off if the door couldn't be opened? I said, you got to read the rest of the story. They took the top off. They went through the side, but they came out the top. That ought to make a Presbyterian want to get sprinkled again. They went in the side and came out the top. And you know the first thing they did when they got out the top? They walked on that new ground that God had made and built an altar and began to lift up praises that God had brought them through. That's what those young ladies sing about. On the other side of the storm, on the other side of the judgment, when we've done a work from God, we're going to resurrection ground. You can look for me. Let's do a work for God in this wicked world in which we live in. 
For when I see Jesus smile and hear him say, well done, my child, it will be worth every mile of the trip. A little song we grew up in the mountains singing. In the days of Noah, just before the flood, where the wicked world had all forgotten God, Brother Noah built a boat which above God's raft did float, and the people saw that they were made of mud. As the door stood open with the gangplank out, Noah and his family entered with a shout. And when the scoffers stretched their necks, Noah stepped out on the deck and said, I'm glad I'm on the inside looking out. Well, I'd rather be on the inside looking out than to be upon the outside looking in. When the rain began to fall on the Lord's sinner's call, but the door was shut and night was setting in. Then old Noah from the window looking out, gazed to heaven beyond the water spout. And he said, I thank the Lord that I took him at his word. I'm so glad I'm on the inside looking out. Oh, let's do a work for God in a crisis society. Father in heaven, we love you today. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the power, the promises of your precious word. Lord, may we make the message clear and plain that Christ receiveth sinful men. May we give ourselves to the spreading of the gospel. Use us at home and abroad. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.